Well, hello to our new listeners. Thanks for joining. And to our returning guests, welcome back. Welcome to Season 6 of the Morosible Podcast. My name is Mo. In this season, like you've been used to, get ready for more amazing stories, more inspirational stories to help you set your stories free. I created this podcast as a resource for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them to share stories and processes, as well as to build communities around important salient issues that affect all of us as humans. So on this show, you get to hear amazing stories from people like you who show us how to get more out of life. The stories featured here are by people whose journey I am partly inspired by, as well as challenged by, but most importantly, people whose courage and vulnerability have afforded us an opportunity to hear their life stories. And I hope you find them as inspiring. Now enjoy the show and don't forget to share this episode and the other ones. Um, what are the odds of having two melanin puppies people in Oklahoma? And so you guys are in for a treat today because when whenever I told her, hey, I'd love to bring you on the podcast, I was, you know, hoping for the guest guy to share her story and hopefully even um, have you guys learn a lot more about her. But then I realized that, oh, she's in Oklahoma. We don't have to do this virtual. I can actually make it live. So hence, you know, her being here in person. And I'm super, super thankful for you coming. Thank she you. also... Um, she um, also brought me some freshly made meat pie. This morning she made it. So, guys, I'm in, in, in for a super treat as well. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to share with you guys, but you can always order from her. She ships across the US, so you got no excuse. Yeah. All right, Amy. Um, well, let's do a short introduction. So, who is she? She's the CEO and head chef of Amy's Place. She lives in Oklahoma City, where I live. And she's also um, a graduate of the University of Central Oklahoma. I actually volunteer there. As, really? Yes, I do crisp. Yes, we're a crisp family. Yeah, wow. yeah. This is a community response to international students program. So you host an international student. We've been doing that for like four years now. We have four students now. She's a food photographer um, enthusiast and a quality control lab technician. She's a member of the CEOs. That's the Creative Executive Officers. She's also part of the African Chefs in Diaspora, hmm. Food Africa, Chefs Corner, and Enlightened Entrepreneurs. This girl is given me. <laughs> Her business has been running for over five years in Oklahoma. Everyone, please join me in welcoming um, Amarachi Enori. And for some of you that might know her as um, Amy this. Hello. And thanks for joining us, Tina. So even though we're having a conversation, I'll pr- always prioritize my 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 listeners questions so if you have any questions just throw them in the chat and officially towards the end you're going to have a live Q&A session if you had any questions that you want to unmute and ask that's fine as well yep. so let's start you know um, a little bit about your background let's start with the basic one I know you're Nigerian you tell us how you grew up your siblings and all that kind of fancy stuff okay thank you again for having me on your show I look beautiful by the way <laughs> okay as she said, my name is Amarachi. Um, a lot of people call me Amy. I'm surprised. I won't be surprised if some people don't even know my name. I didn't know the full name was Amarachi. I know a lot of people don't yeah. know. Okay. But that's that's started way back in Nigeria. Oh. So it was just easy to bring it over here. Yeah. And I am the first of five 
So I have four brothers and it's me. I was born and raised in Lagos. I went to primary high school. school. I went to Dominican Nigerian primary school. It's... It's been a minute. No, no, it's close to Mapo. So it's... So it's... I don't know if you you know this popular Catholic church in Jew. Yeah, it's so it's affiliated with it. Yeah, oh, okay. so it's right in the same. Oh, yeah, yeah, so that's yeah, where I okay. went to. And then I went to high school in Nigeria. I went to Commandi Secondary School and I also went it's to Keja. No, no. Oshodi. And then I went to MME as well. Moy Salaman Airport Secondary School. Is it the second class at the airport? Um yeah, it's right opposite the airport. Never so know. It's yeah, we were the first set. And it's still a pressure? Yeah, it is. You learn every day, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay. literally Opposite. across the airport. Okay. So I remember in that class, you could see what's happening. Oh, really? And the sound of the airport. I mean, like we're used to the it. Airplane. Okay, yeah, yeah. I even live very close to the airport. So like hearing that sound. Is... I know what you mean. I used to live very close to the train tracks. And I kind of miss the noise because it kind of really knocks me off the bed. Yeah, yeah. In Nigeria, by Britain, by Britain, yeah, you know how like, if you're living northwest of Oklahoma, sometimes you can hear the train track. Oh yeah. Initially, it bugged me to death, but when I moved to the suburbs, I kind of missed just a bit of that background noise. Yeah. Yeah. So I know what you mean by the airplane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh. yeah. That's it for Nigeria. Yeah. Then I moved over here. What made you want to college? Was it something you'd always wanted to do? Like, what was the push factor for you? Because usually for people like us. There's always a push or pull factor. Did you get restless? Was it something you wanted to come, you know, study here? Like, who or who did you follow? In some case? I always really wanted to study here because uh, I wanted to be a medical doctor. That was like my first, first goal to become a medical doctor. And from movies and everything, you know how there's a lot more infrastructure here, hands on. Yeah. I mean, my family had a big role to play in that too because they were supporting. If they were not going to allow me, I wouldn't be exactly, here. Exactly. So exactly. It's my my parents, my family, really that made everything possible. Aside from me, always wanting to have the opportunity to study in America. Well, congrats to them because I can imagine that took a lot. You know, right. The sacrifices and all that. Any of your siblings here? Because sometimes they tend to follow our family. No, they're not here. Okay. One of my siblings is in Dubai. Okay. Well, he, he lived in Dubai and, oh. and the others are in school in Nigeria. Okay. Well, just the last two, the others already graduated okay. and working. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, you being the adult of your house and all of that, and the pressure to always be like uh, the model sibling, you know, the deputy mom, deputy dad. <laughs> And, um, you know, being in charge of boys, was it, how would you describe that aspect of your childhood? Hey, it was a lot, really. I mean, we had our good times and our bad times, you know, like, yeah, so I had to toughen up because... Yeah, so, you look so chill. I'm actually chill. Not I'm not really. chill. I'm so... No, I'm, not. I'm, as if, I'm like, you know, it's so... I'm pretty... You look like a last... You have, you're giving last both by... No, I'm pretty relaxed, I mean, but... You know, sometimes you have to like speak up. We have to do this yeah, now. Yeah, we yeah. have to I'm do that now. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty much. And then again, I left when I was really young, so yeah. I didn't really experience the whole teenage life with them. Uh, how old were you when you came here? I was about to be seventeen. Hey, wait! You know, when you said you came here. I thought you came here for like you know um, grad school. Mm-hmm. Oh, you came here for college. Mm-hmm. I started college. Seventeen. Oh, I turned seventeen in America. I was in college. My first. Freshman year when I turned 13. So I was sent to Burning House when I was what, 11. I mean, when it was like four hours away, it felt like the end of the world. 
I cried that whole semester. Yeah. I thought my parents hated me, but then I, I kind of got used to it. I made friends. So the next time I asked, ask, hey, do you want me to take you out and put you in the disco? I was like, no. no. But you moving across. Okay, talk, you have to, you definitely have to talk. 17? Yeah, I, t- I was like... How did you convince your parents to just let you go? Being the only female to... I know. I, Nigerian parents. I think you really trusted me. Really. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's why it's good to be chill. Because it could never be me. <laughs> so, wait. You landed in Cameron University at 17. Why didn't you come around? Wait, oh, so... Why did you not... Oh, take that back then. I think you met Akin Cameron. No, I met uh, him. Well, I had friends. So I will get to that. But okay, so what I, stage did you go? I started off in Rutgers University. Where's that? New Jersey. You've been everywhere, Dad. Yeah, I wow. have really. That in Oklahoma, I'm going to talk about that. Yeah. We have a lot to talk about. <laughs> okay. I started off in Rutgers University. I've an international student, mm-hmm. obviously, before I transferred here. Rutgers, right? Yeah. Oh, that's quite great. I imagine very expensive. Very expensive. Yeah, yeah. one of the good schools. Yeah. yeah. I also had to take some classes in a community mm-hmm. college, like... To kind of buffer. Mm-hmm. Save, save cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Smart move for international so, Yeah. Excess County College in Nowhere, yeah. New Jersey. So I dropped in tips on how to transition in. You know, you start with a community college, get your right because now you're saving money. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm trying to serve as the um, audience already. What can you get out of the conversation? Right. Sorry for the interruption. No, no, that's, that's, that's fine. And then I transferred to UCO oh. in 2015. Yeah. Well, you know, like, do you have any family there? I was, I mean, I had family, but it's different. Yeah, you're introverted, right? Yeah, very, very. How did you do it? It was really hard. It was really. It was lonely for me when I came here in my twenties in grad school. It was super lonely. Yeah, it was. I cried a lot. I cried a lot. I remember, like you know, in Nigeria, you. I grew up with my family. I never traveled without them, so we all traveled together. together, Yeah, with my siblings as well, and then. I was really excited to come to school because I had looked at my school. I saw everything. Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah. I didn't see you watch school. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. Uh, that's a girl. What's this? This one. I got some girl in my head. Oh, really? You were thinking I was going to swim? I was like, I was like, nah, nah. I, I actually... So that kind of messed in my head. And I remember... Like in Nigeria, I had neighbors because we were born in that same house. Oh, yeah. and my, it was my dad's you house. Was my dad's house. Neighbors, yeah. And so you had neighbors that yeah. talk to, like, you know, on the weekends, my mom allowed us spend like a lot of time outside mm. just interacting yeah, with yeah. other kids. Mm. And coming from that to this, where nobody was talking I didn't to even you. know my neighbor, obviously. Obviously, yeah. I was, I stayed with my aunt when I first came before um, school resumed. Yeah. So I cried a lot. I called my mom. I'm like, Mommy, I want to come back. <laughs> no, you want to go? We've sold the plot of land. You can't come back. <laughs> I cried so much. Like, I would just look at my brother's pictures and stuff, and I'm just like crying and crying. It's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to go home. But I think everything, they're coming together when I resumed school. I remember when I was in Nigeria, I prayed a lot. I'm like, God, please. Help me meet the right people because I don't like trouble. I don't want to get into trouble. <laughs> and so when I started um, Rutgers in New Jersey, I had like the warmest friends ever. Were they all international students? Some, some were international okay. and some were like people who got green cards. So okay. they had gone to high school in Nigeria and then they came, came over, over here. 
And so, and the, the African Student Association there was so warming. You didn't know who was Ghanaian or who was oh, Indian. That's, that's, that's what we like to say. Good blend. Mm. And then it was just very fun from that's there good. on. That's good. So that's I said, good. there's something I really, uh, my former co host once said about comparing moving to a country that is different from how we grew up in, like right. our culture. Mm. Those micro conversations, the, the interaction, let's just call it that, because sometimes they're not conversing. So basically, ah, thank you, or by the bus stop, ah, madam, good morning, how you doing, or not sure. Those little conversations you have from the time you wake up in the morning and get to your work, mm-hmm. we don't know how much it affects, uh, helps our mental health, right. until we come to a country where everything just, no one gives you your silence, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> they won't talk to somebody, you have to be, then you have to be hope, hope that it don't shoot you back, you know, because of just opening your mouth. But right. I mean, seventeen and you survived all of that. Kudos to you, really. Thank God. Kudos to you because Thank not God. everyone survives that. I have friends. I've, when Aki came to the um, podcast, we had conversations about um, some students. Well, not some like a couple of people in UCO went uh, at Cameron University when whenever they came as young adults, mm-hmm. almost like everything their parents had, they just sold to send them here. And whenever they go here, they just left them. Mm-hmm. Not because, not like leaving them, abandoning them, but almost like offense for yourself. We're not able to help you anymore. Mm-hmm. And then they took up with, you know, different vices. And so 17 is quite a very young age. And I can imagine it wasn't quite easy for you, but you, 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 you not only survived, but you also thrived. And, and, and I think that's you know, the beauty of that, that story, taking that out. Right. Yeah. As far as the educational system itself, like what was, um, were you studying quality control then? No, no, no. Oh, medicine. Yeah. Okay. So I was pre med. What was the What was the biggest uh, adjustment you had to make? The labs. You know, like in Nigeria, we're very theoretical, <laughs> like no practicals, no hands on. We had, but it wasn't quite. It wasn't matching. Yeah, like the. I mean, everything was limited. You yeah, know? yeah. Like imagine two, three people sharing. Population exactly. Population. Yeah. So it was hopefully, really, hopefully yeah, it works and the magnification is what kicked I So it was a lot for me to like adjust to that a little bit. But I mean it was easy because here you always get help. So I just had to like switch up to that. And I think every other thing was fine. Like if you study, we we'll study. Let's get okay. it. Let's get it. Right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that was it for me. Okay. I just had to adjust to that. And then I remember, like, our spellings are a little different. Oh, yeah, we use the British um, English. Right. Yeah. Color is C-O-L-O-U-R. And it's so weird that I've spent 20-something years of my life spelling it that way. Mm-hmm. I've, done, I've only been in the years for, what, maybe 13 years. But now, whenever I see British English, it looks wrong to me. Yeah. This is what Americans have done to me. Reverse colonization. I can't even recognize the old people. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. But yeah, I think it helped because there were a, a lot of people who were willing to explain certain things to you. Okay, yeah. TAs. I, I got that. TAs. Right. I, I still remember like my very first biology team because it was very spot on. Like he was really good in like explaining certain yeah. things to you. It's German actually. Nice. So they'll yeah. break down the concept to you. Yeah. So it's German by the book. Yeah, he's German, but I think he moved here when he's really young. Oh. So it was like a blend of him. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a parallel to your story in mind. It's one thing to have TAs, it's another thing to use them. So TAs are teaching assistants. Right. And I found that a lot, when I was taking grad school um, courses and stats, 
I had a lot of questions, you know, because it was some things were very germane to me. Mm-hmm. I learned from my white friends on how to use TAs. As a matter of fact, before that class is finished, they already became their time on the TAs. Yeah. So I'll tag along with them. Left on my own, I all have got to use them because we don't even know the class. I didn't know. So here's another lesson to take out of your story is using your TAs wisely for those in school. Right. You've paid for it. Guess what? Yeah, they've, you, they've charged you your tuition fee. Right. You might as well get your bag for your book. You know, yeah, so... Smart on you, Amy. Smart on you. So, uh, pre-med. So, how, like, what happened from there to what you finally ended up studying in UCO? Well, um, I actually graduated with a bachelor's in biology. Mm-hmm. My goal was to go to medical school, yeah. but the whole international thing, um, like... You want to explain that a little bit? Yeah, it was... In Oklahoma, I heard from you have to research. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it has to be like a it's permanent resident yeah, or a citizen to yeah. get into medical it's school and pharmacy school. Yeah. And even the PA school, I don't yeah. know if they changed. So why do you want to come to Oklahoma then from New Jersey? It was cheaper because uh, international, I was paying out of pocket, no loans or anything. Okay. Right. Forgot that part. Yeah, remember, like, if you're not a citizen or a permanent resident, you and it's out of state tuition. Right. So, oh. Out of state is even different from international. It's it's different. even more expensive. Mm-hmm. Hey, wait. Okay, so there are three tiers of tuition payments, right? Amy, very good. There's in-state. So in-state, qualifying from in-state, you have to have lived in a state for a particular number of years, or you have a residency there. Right. Like you have a house, your parents own a house that you were born there. That one is in-state. Because your taxes accumulate, so you're not supposed to be paying what the outsiders be paying. Right. Now, let's say somebody moves from New York to Oklahoma City, They'll be considered out of state for a few number of years until they meet residency status for tax purposes. Then their tuition will go down. Or you get um, a job on campus or through the state, then you can get an in-state waiver. Mm-hmm. Third one is international. And the higher you go with those hierarchy, the higher your tuition fees goes. Because it can be a, a difference of 3K. What am I saying? 2K for like in-state so like maybe like 6K for out of state and then maybe like 15K for international. international. I was talking about Naira to Dollar. They're not even the same class, literally. Literally. How did you guys do it? It was a lot. Oh my goodness. At some point, I was just like, ah, your parents, oh, God bless them. Oh, God bless them. I was like, this is a lot. Naira, and this was, even then, it was, it wanted some hundred and ten Naira. So it was still, it still wasn't funny. I don't know how parents are doing now with seven Naira or something, Naira to a dollar. I don't know. But man, it's a lot. Mm. It's a lot. So you moved to Oklahoma, hoping to be able to like do your continue your mental yeah. and realize that. Yeah, I I I finished my bachelor's here and then came for yeah. try try to get into med school. Yeah. So even though you could save on tuition, you realize that because of this permanent residence yeah. status. And yeah. like I, I didn't have access to loans. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was able to to go sign for you. I was in so another lesson here is that um what people do is that they might find somebody who's willing to co-sign a loan for them. Right. That's a huge risk because you're talking about sometimes half up to half a million dollars for oh, med school. school. And what does the co-signer do? Even though the, your name will be on the door, the co-signer is just saying that in case you're unable to pay for that loan, they will take responsibility for that. Now, how many people can do that? Even with your siblings, it's hard to find someone to do. Right. You know, and it's such a huge risk because. So that knows that like for life. You have people that they are still in their sixties, they're still paying off student loans. It's just how it is in this part of the world, you know, which is quite sad. Right. So I guess just looking back at all of your experience, like if there's one thing you'd like to draw from there as a way to encourage those who might be listening, given that you came here at 17, what would be some words of encouragement or even advice 
looking back on the journey? Uh, like just remain focused. That's the thing. Because there are a lot of things that could derail someone, you know. Because here you're exposed to a lot. Your family's not here to like police you or say you can't go here or there. You're mixing up with different people, different culture, all of that. So always have it at the back of your mind that, oh, this is the reason why I'm here and I, I want I want to get to where I am what I'm like trying to get to. And then just your faith goes a long way in that life. Do you want to meddle into the wrong things? You're going to punish your image and then all of that. So it's, yeah, it's, I'm not going to say it's the easiest thing to do, but I mean, it's just the grace of God really and just working towards what you want to get. No, I commend you, Meg. Because that age, all the distraction and even still being this well adjusted and with all that now beside me, I think it's worth celebrating, Amy. And good to see you. God, good to see you. Good to see you. So let's talk about um, your so UCO. Mm-hmm. I love that campus, by the way. So I work for OU. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. <laughs> I love UCO. UCO is, is so I don't know. Anytime I drive through there, I go there like once a week. I feel I don't know. It's just this quaint little campus, mm-hmm. and there's so many international students of um, but it's very very active. Like right. they do a lot of stuff. And for a small um, university, relatively competitive, OU, by the way, mm-hmm. it's, um, they do, I mean, I feel like they pack their own punch, like they, they're well represented, they represent the community very well. Right. What was your, um, I guess, what made you switch to quality um, um, lab, quality control lab, and studying that as well, right? Well, that's what you studied, right? No, I actually did biology. At UCL as well? Yeah. Oh, so how did you move from that to being a quality control lab technician? And what does that even entail? Okay, so pretty much for that job, that was with Oklahoma Blood Institute, by the way. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah, was right, yeah. yeah. And um, it was pretty much the requirements was having some science degree. Yeah. And oh, I already had like lab experience, you know, with from biology class to anatomy to all of this other stuff. So... Was what just an interview? Yeah, yeah. How long did you work there for? Almost five years. And that was your first job. My very first job out of college. Okay. So let's talk about some things. I think we can have some um, nuggets to share to our listeners. Right. So transitioning from college life to corporate America mm-hmm. as an immigrant, that has some layers to it. <laughs> by the way, I'm leaving for your special experience. <laughs> yeah, my family. Going all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect podcast guest. So, can you tell us some of the growing pains, or even just without you know compromising your? Because again, I'm not, we're not really out your your future um, dalliance with the corporate America, but mm-hmm. some things you can just share. So, just tell us some of the growing pains, like adjusting to the culture. What, what was the biggest thing for you to adjust to? And uh, they have stories. It's a lot. It's a I have lot. stories to tell. Um, I don't even know where to start from. Where do I start from? The weather was one thing for me. Oklahoma? Like, no, like, generally. Oh, like, you, want, you mean Oklahoma, generally? No, like, moving from just being a college student to getting a job, like a nine-to-five job. Mm-hmm. And even in the workspace, I remember there were some politics and what? some things you had to adjust to, and it's not even on campus anymore. Right. It's like a real job now, like, you know, responsibility. Yeah. What were some of the things you had to overcome while you were there? 
and and I had to learn how to speak all because mm-hmm. I'm very like chill, chill. Mm-hmm. and so I'm just like uh, we gotta do this, we gotta do that, and then with the amount of time I spent there, I had to grow to certain levels. Like before I left, I was a trainer, wow. and then I was a senior tech. Wow! So in five years. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so I had to be able to, you know, guide other people on how to do stuff. Like you have to toughen up to, to like caution them when you're doing certain things wrong. Cause the same way, like you can't treat two different individuals the same, the same way, way yeah. because people assimilate things differently. Yeah. And then you have to bring yourself to a level where like you're doing what you have to do and then they can follow. So you have to slow down. Number one, like, for example, entering results, because I did, I worked in yeah. quality control and I did a lot of paperwork. Mm. So imagine teaching someone the paperwork. You had to slow down, like your case and everything. So it was a lot. I mean, there were like great times and they were like, that's a good time. Not really like everyone I mean, generally, it's a, it's been, it was a good experience for okay. me, you know, like working with different people, different ages. You know, being exposed, that was my very first job yeah. out of college. Yeah. I was like, okay, this is how to do. And then, you know, that even shapes your life in every way. Mm-hmm. So in your business, in your day-to-day communication with people yeah. and all of that. So yeah. really, it's... Thank you for that. So we've talked about just the pattern, like you talked about um, being more um, vocal, you know, speaking mm-hmm. up to yourself and being more assertive. Mm-hmm. So from your journey up until, you know, this point... And I imagine that even the job application process wasn't quite easy. It wasn't. Given that you are an international student, some places might want to hire you. Right. If you're not a citizen, those are some of the things we've had to go through as immigrants to this country. I got even though, Exactly. Even though you're well qualified, I've paid this much money in student, you know, student um, tuition fees and all that, and you're telling me a student qualified. I went to your university. Right. But, you know, that's the story for another day. Right. Um, but um, if there's anything you could change, do differently, you know, up until this time stamp of, you know, getting your job and working there for five years mm-hmm. and even through school and all that, is there any aspect of that that you would do differently and why? I think I would have um, had, like, double majors. Ah. Or- so that always confuses me. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, me, I went to school, my college was in Nigeria, but my grad was here. When people say that, well, they have a number, two things confuse me. <laughs> Help me. I haven't declared my major. One, why? And then two, you are doing double majors. What are you? Like, what does that mean? Why have you not declared a major? Yeah, this was graduating. So certain people, for that part, certain yeah. people are not sure of what yeah. they want to do. So instead of like starting to do uh, chemistry and tomorrow engineering, mm-hmm. they, most of them already know I'm going to be in the sciences, right? right? So they, just, just, they yeah. haven't like narrowed it down to what they want to do. Mm-hmm. So they would rather do like all the basic classes for sciences first. And then, and then from there, like, so that's why a lot of people are on the plate, especially in their freshman and sophomore year. I can see the merits of doing that because in Nigeria, I could never. Mm. As you're entering with the cap and I already know what you're going to graduate. Hopefully, how about the double double majors? What does that help you with? Um, for me, I really love math, so oh. I wanted to. I wish I, I think for me, I wanted to do it actually when I was in UCO. But mm-hmm. It's like oh, you have to because of the classes, you have to stay one year longer. I'm like, oh, that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's not like we don't like book. We like book, mm-hmm. but money. Yeah, the money. Yeah. 
like I said, international student pieces a lot. And I'm not the only child. And you never qualified for institution? No, or? never. I mean, I got scholarships here and there. It was like 500, 1,000. Actually, after five years, you'd qualify for um, residency performance for taxes in the U.S. And then if you had gotten like a GRI position, like a research assistant mm-hmm. or student assistant, through your university, because mm-hmm. then you now be affiliated with the state if your state is a, if your university is a state university. That could have helped, but being an undergrad, those things are highly yeah. competitive. Yeah, and I know it's like you said, it's more for people in grad school. Yes, I know yes, a lot of international students. Yes, right? yes, yes. yes. That's what I'm saying. That for international students and undergrad, it's highly competitive, but almost non-existent. Right. Yeah. I mean, it depends on how big your campus. Of course, it's actually opportunities that here. Yeah. from that to any place like is the way you were just looking at the microscope like that looks like a meat pie structure <laughs> no. I'm a stand my own business how did that come to play like have you always been I mean okay not to be stereotypical like, maybe I could be stereotypical being the firstborn being a female mm-hmm. cooking lots right right somebody has to do it yeah I've never met a firstborn female from Nigeria that doesn't know how to cook even if you don't like it yeah. you have to do you it you have to do it right. you know? So, uh, but for you, it's, it's more than that. It's right. it's a passion. It's a, right. it's a college. It's a ministry. So, right. how did you get from there to MSN? So, I won't lie to you. When I started um, college, I I didn't. Emmy's place was never in my vision. Mm-hmm. I I didn't I didn't have that. I loved to cook. You know, when I was in college, um, I used to cook a lot. You know, cook my friends. Roommates, everybody will wow. eat. Like Katrina, just just me, my food. Wow. I never cook for one person. Uh, I never. Yeah, and that's that's. Yeah. you think I, I I'm hiding families in my attic? <laughs> I don't know how to cook small. Yeah, yeah, I never cook for one person, and so like, even when I was in the East Coast, I would cook, and I lived on campus. I remember the the dorm I lived in for freshmen and sophomore. She had no kitchen, but mm-hmm. for juniors. And yeah, seniors, they had kitchen because yeah. they didn't trust the younger people. Mm-hmm. And that's how I would go to my friend who was a, uh, I think, junior or sophomore at the time. I'll cook there. Everyone comes together yeah, and, and uh, eat. And then when I came to UCR as well, it continued. And I was ASC president. Yeah, right? African um, Society, Student Association. Sorry. Yeah, I was the president. And would have like a student event. Oh, yeah. And then, then the Nigerian food. Hey. And so I would cook. I'm, yeah, I'm the president, you know, I mean, the dance team from here and there, but I would cook because yeah. we had limited funds. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so we had to work our way around. I'm like, okay, I got it. I will just cook. And then, so cooking had always been a part of me. And then I, I was just like, you know, maybe I can start something. The very first thing I did, which I don't know how I got the bonus, was open an Instagram page. I would just post whatever I cook on there. And, you know, people started sourcing out, like reaching out. Oh, can you do this for me? And I'm like, sure. I, I really love cooking. So that that just made everything easier. Like I never had like the whole business knowledge about catering. Just so I know even when I started, I won't even really make I will just, you know, cook and stuff like that. And then certain things that I didn't know how to cook out of practice. Like I was telling you, yeah, yeah, we started about yeah. like, and then so, pastries. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know how to do that before. Okay. So I had to learn. Thanks for just joining us. By the way, if you have questions for either of us, you can put them in the chat function and I'll, I'll go to, sorry, chat and I'll get to them. So 
And I imagine that all your friends sampling it's like, oh my gosh, Amy, this tastes nice. You should think about making, you know, right. doing this small, making right. the picture. Can you, you know, cook for me? Can you get this thing? Get that? Right. I know they do just as well. Yeah. And wow. I am so thankful for my friends who are very honest with me. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's one thing, it's everyone takes times. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I had some friends that would be like, I mean, not like trying to make me feel bad, but say, can we tweak this a little? A little bit. Can we do this a little? Like, yeah. I had really like a little knowledge about the business part. I just know, okay, I have to cook. It tastes good, right? Yeah. And, well, I had to like learn, you know, we're in a different country. You have to see how things are done here. Yeah. And so I I started reading. And different palettes too. Yeah. Cooking for Nigerians. Right. Yeah. And then you had to tone it down. Like, you know, for example, some some Americans can eat spicy food like the way Nigerians. All Americans (laughs) just kidding. I know, I know. I I was being up to you. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. I had to like work on that as well. Yeah. And yeah, so I'm really thankful for people that gave me honest reviews yeah. and like I had to build up on that. Yeah. You know, I also say to that, in one of the very, I think only actually, because you know, we, 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 we do parties, we throw parties at home and have, you've catered for us. You're one of the only person that has reached out and said, I need feedback. And it wasn't just even like, you know, how was the food? You were very, you know, very particular. Right. Oh, you know what also blew my mind? Whenever I ordered from you, so first of all, I should let you know this. The aunties in Oklahoma, which I'm part of the, even though I'm like a baby in that club, we've dubbed you the best big pie in Oklahoma City. Thank and you. these are Nigerian aunties, and you know that we don't play. Don't play. We don't play that food. <laughs> Do not play. So shout out to my new group. They know yourselves that listen to this. Um, they testify, and we're very, very picky with food. So right. you're doing something great, is what I'm trying to say. Thank and you. I hope you keep it going. Thank you. And that's one your consistency, which is, you know, always good to see. Number two was, so I met you through um, Mrs. Lawal. Mm-hmm. And we had, this was last year during Thanksgiving. So we have this Nigerian association where we just, we're not like very formalized, but we just get together once in a while to have parties. Right. And meat pies, you know, more and more of those things that, that are common staples. I had a meat pie, I'm like, ah, this meat pie is tasting different though. It's where you get this meat pie from? So that's all. There's a person in Oklahoma, and Oklahoma City, a Nigerian. Yeah. We used to have one black person, but she's still moved to making hair, so I made pipe plug diet. So I'm looking for a good replacement. She now gave me the box. I'm like, it came in a box. I just guess it's Nigerian, or she's just an imposter. It's like, no, it came in a box. I looked at the box. Ah, there's an Instagram QR code. Who is this person? So I clicked on it. I was like, oh my gosh, she's like a whole thing. So that's when I reached out to you to get out for things. Right. And then I was blown away by just your packaging. Amy, like, I think I put an Instagram uh, post about it. I have it saved, <laughs> by the way. No, no, seriously, let's talk about that. Your customer service is just not parallel. Just the way you pay attention to details. She wrote a card, handwritten letter. This time, I, I never mean, had write handwritten letters. And I I like receiving them. She wrote a letter, you know, I hope you like this. It was smooth packaging. I went to kids to school. I, you know, I ordered some for my um, cultural, much cultural potluck at work. Right. They loved it. They loved your um, sausages. They loved your meat pie. And then next time I ordered from you, I think you said, saying, oh, this girl likes my food. You gave me a bottle of wine. Like, it's those kind of things. I, I think, it, and then the feedback you're asking, because I was like, you know, next time I want my fish a bit dry, I can note it. And then next time you get it, it's those kind of things that I, I, I really love about you, that you actually, you're, you, you care about what your customers have to say. Right. And knowing just, you know, what I might like, somebody else might not like. Right. And then you're asking, hey, is it okay for me to switch this oil or, you know, do that? I think you should keep it going. 
that's your selling factor. The fact that you really, really care is not just food for you. Right. It's that people enjoy it. Right. I mean, and you're Nigerian. Thank you. Do you know the kind of dissociation that I had to do? Because I want to think about Nigerian customer care, customer service. It's almost non-existent. So it kind of did something to me to know that, ah, I can't be saying that Nigerian customer service sucks because there's Amy. She's ruined that for me now. <laughs> So anyways, keep it up. Thank like you it's, very much. it's it's really refreshing to see it, what you do and I think you have no idea just how far you're gonna go. Thank you. you have to believe that like this is gonna take you so much far. Just keep it going. Okay. I imagine it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Having to like maintain I I don't even know where they have like an Excel spreadsheet. It's like <laughs> more like you know, meat pie like this or our fish should be dry or you know, more crispy and more spice, right. less oil, you know, and then just keep that database going. So that way you're like remembering, but those that will take you along because that's that's a unique selling point. Thank and also you. helping us change the narrative of what customer service should be like from a Nigerian's perspective. Thank you so you know, much. So I really appreciate just wanted to say that to you. Thank you. I didn't, I didn't really have another Especially the aunties, and it's not just me, the aunties love your meat pie. Mm-hmm. One of them in particular, she's a food snob. Like, I'll let you know she's a food snob. She's like, I concur her meat pie. Why do I want to guess? Why I don't want to guess? No, don't guess. But <laughs> she's a food snob, and I always respect because anything she tells me food is good, I, I believe her. She like, she's gospel truth. So when she said, Yes, I concur, um, I shared that post about bringing on the podcast and right. how I love her meat pie. She's like, Yes, I concur, her meat pie is the best because she's. She, <laughs> <laughs> We don't know. I think that's me. Like, do you know I'm picky with food? Yeah, picky with food. Okay, I don't want to say like picky picky, but there are certain things I can't just eat. Like, not because I hate it, but I think I have texture for it. Oh, so maybe like overload, sensory overload, maybe. Yeah, Uh, I think so. What don't you like eating? I don't like. Don't say plantains. No, I love plantains. Thank you. I, I don't like pounding. If I say plantains, I love it. You know, but I, I, mean, I don't like, oh, pounding. I don't like it. No, but I like pounding, yeah. I don't like either. But yam is my favorite food, by the way. It's a great texture thing. <laughs> so, uh, that's why I said they, they don't like grapes, but they like, they like they don't like raisins, but they like grapes. <laughs> no. <laughs> raisins are like dried so grapes. So, even if I make my noodles, I fry it. Like, you fry what? Noodles. How do you, you just fry it? Look, so, I don't make it really... So, and then it's dry, and then I put a little bit of oil. So, and it's, then it's dry. The, okay. Just so like that the can... Malaysian way of eating the mm-hmm. Well, to eat mm-hmm. your own. I have, I'm not going to knock you on that. Well, I, but yeah, and one thing again, I, I pay attention to in cooking is my number one rule for me mm-hmm. is I won't serve someone something I will you not eat. eat. Yes. Yeah. You know, like even aside from the texture thing, okay, yeah, people love pounds. I make, yeah. I make. A lot of things that I might not even eat, not because I don't like it, but because, because of the texture. Are, yeah. I just feel like the quality of things I'm giving to people it will not be as good. You're able to even enjoy. Like, it. why would I buy, for example, meats? Right? Uh, why would I buy this time that I, to cook for a customer, but I know I won't buy it from myself? Mm, so that's that's one of my. I rather match the price and make sure that you know they're getting quality. Quality. Because you want them to come back. I'm big on the quality. Yeah, you want them to come back. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's that. That's good. It's evident. So, um, I mean, you started your first Instagram page. You started posting, and then. Now you're doing this full time. Right. Hey, God. Right. <laughs> See, when you told your parents that you were doing this for them, they sent pastors number two to call you and throw my head. Uh, well, they've been supportive. I might even support, but I'm, I'm sure like the parents will be worried that uh, is she making the right choice? Yeah. Well, I, I didn't like 
vaguely tell them. Uh, <laughs> did they get it for the first time? Breaking news! I mean, yeah. my, mom, my mom always, like, I, I kind of told my mom, like, hey, I'm quitting my job mm. because of X, Y, Z. It's not because I don't want to work, you know. You needed to work. Go, yeah, this is full-time. I mean, cooking is a full-time commitment. Especially African food. You know how long it takes to cook? That's why I don't really go to And time. so... I'm a customer. Planning both of them, I was like, I had only one day to cook and I had some customers who have to cancel because I can't meet up with yeah. their with the demands. Stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. I had then my days off was uh my day off was Monday and then Sunday. So most people want their stuff on the weekend because that's when everything is happening. But then by the time you're done and then yeah. all the orders are backlogged, then you don't yeah. want to say, yeah. So I had to think about it, put one and two and three together to make my decision. And so yeah. far, it's been good. How long has it been? I quit my job last year. Um, I was still like thinking about it. Like, do I really want? Yeah. Do I really want to do this full time? Yeah. So I was still like shopping around for other jobs. Well, I just came to a realization where I'm like, um, I already have this, so I need to build on it, you know. And it's been good so far, and I'm burning some new stuff, so nice. I'm really happy I took this step. Are you at Levi's Towers where you're cooking spaces? Like, where do you cook? I cook at home. Is that convenient for you? Um, mm, Sometimes. No. But when I have, like, really big, like, yeah. things. Do you like that commercial yeah. kitchen? Mm-hmm. Uh, what would be your dream... Like um, setting, like if you could imagine what image space is gonna be like in the next five years. If you if money wasn't like gonna be an mm-hmm. issue and all that, what would be your ideal setting? Or let's, just like cooking or your business? Like let's talk to some potential investors who might be listening. Um, are you open to investors? Oh yes, of course. <laughs> what are you? What are you? What's your ideal setting? What would that? Be? I really want to have like like big kitchen space, okay. you know, and then my bakery. Okay. I feel like the meat spice on its own is an entity of its own. You need a shop for that. Right. Like a drive through. Yes. Yeah. But um, that's what I really want. And then because I have plans for Amy's place, yeah. I want it to be beyond like the regular meat spice yeah. and stuff. So I re- really like some good space yeah. or the other things that I really want to do for Amy's place. So aside from the bakery part, um, the kitchen, you know, where I can do stuff and now with the with the new development with Amy's place where I ship out I yeah. need that whole space that walking and stuff and maybe with hiring more staff do you have a business plan in this? yes I mean you should send it to okay yeah I think it's something to to yeah, obviously because as we grow I can't do no by myself, myself yeah, yeah. So. and it's gonna blow I promise you if you keep it keep it keep, keep just doing this Right. But I know someone like you, you don't just you add more right. and improve on it. So right. you're gonna even blow more than I think. Oh, the future is bright for you, Amy. You have Thank you so much. So um yeah, let me see your business plan and we can talk someone off camera. Sure. Try with the meat pie. That needs to go global. Because I've always been thinking about it. Nigerian food is not we don't have like mainstream Nigerian food. Have you heard about the history of how Chinese food became a big deal in the US? I kind of read about it. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I mean, China, I don't even talk about Chinese food in the US. It's nothing like Chinese food in China. I had a Chinese co-worker. He told me, don't call it Chinese. He, no. He, like he Panda Express. Me, he said, do not call it Chinese food. Panda Express. Not. My Chinese friends hate Panda Express because they feel like it's just a mockery of their food. But um, no, that's not that I know that. 
But the beauty about what they did is that they adjusted their food to American style. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the hesitation with Nigeria, Nigerian meals going public is, it's not because we don't care about the customer. It's just so hard. Our food can be fast. Oh no, it cannot be. It can be fast. And if you are removing spice, removing oil, what's left? Powder. Oh, <laughs> but we need to think about ways to look at Popov. plantain chips. Popov can be a breakfast. They can be eating burrito and bagels for breakfast. No. Popov and coffee. What's stopping you? You're like, are you in my notes? <laughs> are you in my notes? We need to talk. <laughs> are you in my notes? Sure, I like food. So <laughs> this is my zone. I've been thinking of gala and coffee. You know, we can just have that like and introduce because Popoff is a is a dish that many countries have it in different ways. In different, like yeah, French call it beignets, you know, Kenyans call it mandazi, but it's still fried dough. Right. So we already have some things that already laid the template for us. We just need to build it. And Nigeria, we're already popular through our music. Right. Imagine how tagging our food. In. It shouldn't be a lot. It shouldn't be a lot. And no. that's why I was really glad when I saw the whole Egusi and Kano. But I think we were just doing like, yeah. the weird But it's still, you know what? It's still a conversation starter. Because yeah. all your thoughts, you know, when you were in school, they bring Egusi, they wouldn't be laughing at you. Look at you, you smell. smell. Exactly. Even taking it to work, you're like, hope oh, they're going to tell them smell when I'm like, we it in the kitchen, in the office kitchen, you know. Right. But we need to be, we need to be, um, uh, uh, there needs to be a proliferation of Nigeria. It's about time. Right. And I never say Nigerian food doesn't even cut it close because Nigeria is such a very heterogeneous space. You know, right. even within Yoruba culture, we have like diversity of food. Right. But like the main staples. Right. Like our jollof rice now, I mean, people know jollof rice. Even mm-hmm. my non American, my non Nigerian, ah, you're, you're party rice. Or you'll be party rice. It's like, yeah, yeah, right. You know, so, uh, yeah, we, we, we need to, we need to like, you know, make our food, you know, out there. Christian, right? Right. How's it been just keeping your faith in a country? And I imagine, okay, so this is how I like it to be. Whenever I was in Nigeria, Nigeria, where we have some protective factors. Mm-hmm. Everybody's kind of religious. You know, God bless you. Even when you go to a bank, ah, but I have a nice, God bless you. <laughs> like, even if you don't want to believe in God, God will believe in you. God will believe in you because you're Nigerian, right? And our churches are everywhere around your house, you know. Just, I lived on church. I didn't live on church church. I grew up in Shomalu. Church Street was the streets. I've heard of that. Place. I grew up in Sherman. Church Street was behind my streets. But on my street, we had about 10 churches. Oh, wow. And the mics were like sitting around. You know, I grew up, I grew up in Sherman. So, and so church was everywhere. And so it was just by default to be a Christian for me. Mm-hmm. My faith didn't really take wings until I came to the US. Where I realized that nobody cares to be a Christian here. Mm-hmm. You can actually live your full evil life. You want to be able to be fullest, you know. So I had a bit of a crisis of faith, but then um, you know, I, I I've talked about that in the past. But all I have to say, like, how how has it been like keeping your faith here without the insurance coverage from your family? You know, like the, I call it like you know, I was under my family's protection plan because my mother was a prayer, she's still a prayer warrior. You know, mm-hmm. go to church, Bible study every day. You know, um, money devotion, all those kind of things that right. you from your and when you Catholic as well, you're not Catholic, right? Um, I. I, I had my moments, Catholics and Pentecostals. Okay, so you kind of make mix of it. So all of that to say that you've been exposed to the church. Right. But here is almost like you have to make a very conscious effort. Right. So has that been easy for you, especially keeping faith, you know, just being by yourself? I feel like it's it's just being good, really. Uh, and, you know, thinking about everything, 
I wouldn't have been in place A without God. Mm-hmm. So that helped me a lot, you know, place B. And then gift of friends. Because there's one thing to be a Christian and there's one thing to believe in God yep. and his works in your life, mm-hmm. which are evident. So that helped me, like testimonies. For example, I, I remember believing God for God, please provide my tuition and oh. all of that, you know, because all of that, you know, just God helping, providing, protecting over me over and over again. It's just been a testimony. And then, you know, people around you. And then also knowing God for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. there's one thing to hear about God, oh, this and that. And, that, and another thing to open the Bible and read the Bible so and see God. how God has done certain things, you know, made his words, you know, come to pass in your life. And so it's it's been that really so personal person, convictions. Personal convictions. Convictions. And there's nothing like that because there's really what the pastor would tell you. Yeah. Like I'll tell people that even with my science brain, whenever I took a break from the church, I could never deny the existence of God because I've I've felt it. I've had a corporate experience. Right. And it wasn't auto-suggestion. Like there's no way I can even explain it. unless you go through this kind of moments, you know. Now sometimes my faith might shake, but mm-hmm. my Questioning the extent of God, never, mm-hmm. you know. So okay, that's 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 very refreshing to see. And thanks for that reminder about just the importance of personal convictions. Mm-hmm. So maybe even in praying for our friends, so let's see that in praying for our friends who you want them to come to faith, mm-hmm. is that God should you know sure, show sure. sure Himself to them. Yeah, you know we can live our lives you know and show them what Christian living is like. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing quite like. Especially for someone like me that is quite stubborn, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Unless I see that angel coming down, like, sorry. It's not like counter. It's not like long way. They're going a long way. Right. They're going a long way, yeah. So, um, I was going to ask you this question earlier, but I forgot. Um, in the past, so the biggest thing that happened in Nigeria and it was the elections. Right. And that came, with that came, it just a lot of dredging up the, you know, I don't even know how to even talk about this now without getting mad. Um, so I grew up with, being in Lagos, I grew up in a very multi-diverse community, right? right? My neighbors were Igbo. Mm-hmm. I go see Igbo. It's one of my favorites. The chunks, you know, mm-hmm. or hustle. Like, I grew up listening to Oliver the Pope. Like, I don't know how I never learned how to speak Igbo because I was just so immersed into, into it. And then going to a um, boarding house in Nigeria mm-hmm. where you had people from all over the country. So I was just a humble that didn't speak my own language. Mm-hmm. Of course, I went to school in the Southwest, so Yoruba was a predominant language. But I never saw an evil person as less than me. I mm-hmm. never saw anybody else as less than me. Even if we were putting ourselves together, and we were almost bummed up with people like, oh, they don't like all you know, and they would call it a day. You know, and, but that's just, you know, being friends, not... But this whole election brought up a lot of anti-evil rhetoric and even just some verbal and physical attacks. Mm. Now, of course, you're far away from home. Right. But I imagine you having family there. You probably also stirred up something in you. Mm. What was that like for you? And what would you like to just say about... Because, okay, another way of thinking about it is this. If when you're in the U.S., you're already struggling without being black, right. immigrant, female. Mm-hmm. And then you're not reminded that, okay, you're evil. What does that even mean? It's not enough just just be human and go through all of the processes of life. Right. And I remember that okay, you are not part of us. You're trying to take over something that, but is is that even your thing in the first place? But you know that's a separate right. conversation, right? But I just wanted to know what your thought process is mm-hmm. like there, and, and you know, especially being fired from your parents and your mm-hmm. family. For the election thing, I was I, what I felt like I knew this was going to happen, you know. 
just from like the history of how things have been. But it was really scary for me. To be honest, I'm not with my family, yeah. so I don't know. And obviously, they kind of cushion things just so they don't stir up any fear in me. I just, it was very, it was very sad to see how people think, even in 2023. That was sad. That was the most shocking part of it for me. Like some things I saw on Twitter, the and Blake Instagram, Blake Instagram yes. and I'm like, yeah, we shouldn't be doing this. My my own vision for or what I would think. Regardless of the cultural background mm-hmm. of the person, is this person willing to do the work? That's it. That's that should That's be it. like a focus, and not if you're evil, you're bad, you're bad. Like it's all about the work because at the end of the day, whoever is on there should do the work. Should do the work, yeah. and it's going to benefit everyone from yeah. all cultures. Well, I don't know why they're handling things like this, but I just hope that you know things. Yeah, better. better from here onward. Well, we can only um, hope against hope because uh, Nigeria, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's in God's hands now. I don't know. Um, I'm sure you also get a lot of questions. Oh, by the way, your friend um, Shakina said amazing customer service and we do agree with you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Um, so let's just even run enough. You are part of a, several communities of practices, mm-hmm. right? When it comes to your craft, so you gave us some examples like creative executive officer, which I like CEOs. I got that. Um, chefs in diaspora, African chefs in diaspora, chefs called food Africa. What made you seek out those communities? And can you highlight some of you know just the best parts of being part of as being a part of these communities? Um, I think you get to see things from other lenses because there's one thing to know how to cook, and there's one thing to know how to. Mm-hmm you know, put up things. And that's, I don't know if I met you at that time. Last year, I had my very first private dinner event. I met you in November. Was this after, before? Oh, November? it was before November. Okay. So I had my very when first... When is the next was, I'll let you know. Okay. I'll let you know. I better be there. I had... I'm going to get questions in the right <laughs> Just saying. Have I declared my criminal intention on camera? I had um, my very first private dinner set up event, which... Um, to, it was very beautiful for me because it's like yeah. my dream coming to pass, yeah. you know, because people had this whole notion of African food, they just dish it out anyhow. Mm-hmm. Well, I just wanted, I, I think I saw it on the video on yeah, Instagram. Had, yeah, and had, you, had, you had Oshas too? Yes. Yes, that was what I saw. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I, what was, was your pasta there, right? Was this pasta? That was in the That's what I saw. Mm-hmm. I'm like, my goodness. Okay. And see, Amy, I stopped it. <laughs> And then big on Afro fusion too, mm. because like you said earlier, yeah. balancing things yes. out. You know? yes. yeah. And and I that was just to put it out there, like African food is not boring because people think it's boring. You can have like like literally like courses. It just depends on how you like serve it, play yeah. it, you know, how you make you feel, the kind of music, everything. You know how like they can hire like an Italian chef to make three course yeah, meals. meals yeah. Africans can do that too. We have the resources. So that's one of the reasons why I'm in part of all these organizations where I can see things from a bigger lens, you know, literally learn and see, okay, we can make this look prettier. We can make this, we can learn packaging. Because like I said, I never had like a 
uh, grounded yeah, business background. Yeah. I just had to learn, practice, yeah. and then see how people do stuff. Yeah. Okay, how can I improve it? Yeah. Or how can I add my own touch to it? I see. I see. Yeah, that's really why I'm here. So, like, um, with... I've seen two kinds of people who, like, you know, are food and all that. Mm-hmm. Some go through the classical route of being trained as chefs, maybe using the Parisian, like the French method of cooking and all that. And some just learn, you know, as a go and they improve on it. Do you ever have any plans on maybe going to any form of chef school or culinary school to like get some additional technical skills? Yes, I really want oh, to. Really? I want to learn certain things. Uh, certain things. Yeah, I really want to. But when the time is right, yes. Yeah. I want to like learn some things. You know how. You can infuse, um, you can make African food in a way that it's like mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I just want to get a feel of, you know, learning from those professionals how to make this look like this, but it's, it's still it's very good. authentic African food. Yeah, I know, I think you, yeah. I know what you mean. Right. I know exactly what you mean. I don't know if I told you just that my dream was to. When I grew up, I was to get my PhD in mm-hmm. France, go to culinary school, and Dr. Baby. I always wanted to go to culinary school, you know, now, but not to cook for. I don't, I don't enjoy the business side of cooking. I just like to cook for people, but right. I don't think I'm going to make a living out of it. <laughs> just kidding. But um, but I think it's impressive what you do, especially um, do you not just relying on your passion, but also being part of communities. Right. And I think it speaks to the importance of finding people. Who share the same vision as you, or people that you can even learn from, right? Because you can even broaden your school. And how much more in the place like Oklahoma? I mean, let's be, let's be realistic. It's not super diverse, you know. We have to be very intentional about things, right? So thanks for that reminder, Amy. Now, for those who aspire to build their crafts, maybe make a name for themselves, because Amy's this is a brand. What are some um, encouragements you like to give them? And they might not necessarily be in this part of the world. Mm-hmm. Maybe they might feel like they are limited by one or the other. Like, imagine you went to those feelings as well. I did. How would you like to encourage them? Um, pretty much knowing what you want to do. Knowing what you want to do, your niche is very important. So you know, like, okay, this is what I'm working towards. This is what I want to do. And then really working towards it, like, genuinely. Don't say, I want to be a tailor, for example, and you never... You just keep saying, like, just do it, like Nike, right? Just do it. And then be open to learning. Be open to learning and working with people. Because I think if we don't learn how to be involved, to be better. Amen, sister. So we have to, like, when I told my brother one day, well, when I said I'm reading a book about, like, cooking and the business part of it. And he was like, you're reading? I'm like, yeah. Because that's the only way I can learn, you know? So pretty much assimilating to into the culture where we live. Like, how would an American, how would we package this for an American to be willing to try it out? All of that stuff, you know, that helps. So aside from knowing what you, you're doing, obviously work hard to build it and then so, be disciplined towards it. towards it. And then from time, from there, it will get better. It's not going to be like the smoothest ride ever, but... but just keep doing it and improving yourself and it then gets better from there. Okay. I mean, that's very, very um, impressive and especially the importance of personal development and taking it upon yourself. And learning doesn't have to take one from 
Mm-hmm. You can go back to school, you can pick up a book, you can enroll in a course, you can be part of communities. Whatever you do, just keep just keep working, just keep doing it. Don't don't be stagnant and think of ways where you can improve your game because there's really nothing new in the world, but your personality and what spin you put on it mm-hmm. will make a lot of difference. Right. right? You've kind of hinted at this, but I would like for you to give you more airspace. At time, sorry. So um, are there any exciting projects or ventures that you're currently working on? And then what's your future plan for any space in terms of expansion and new offerings? Okay, so like I was talking to her about it, I started mailing out pastries because I would get messages whenever I post like meat pies and stuff. They'd be like, when are you going to send it out? When are you going to? So I had to um, walk, um, work on that, putting it out, like my packaging, like make sure, you know, it gets to the customers in the right state. And so I did some mock um, ship outs and stuff and everything turned out. Good. How did that go with the USPS? What do you use? UPS? EPS. Okay, no USPS, right? No, I do not. Okay, so you just no, put your thing. No. <laughs> I, I, I also have Instagram yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on the boxes. Yeah. So I have stickers with this, this handle we care. Is it like overnight shipping? Um, so I have two shipping options okay. because, you know, if you want it, the next day is going to be more expensive. Yeah, expensive. Yeah, so expensive. I have two, option, two options. So two options. So some get the second day air, but they're both by air. Uh, so no the, air, the only ground shipping is for Chin Chin. Because but that one's and it's, it's durable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I also started, I don't know if you know about this, but I started my mocktail page. You have a mocktail page? I just started. How come I didn't know about this? Is it hidden? <laughs> um, I just put it out. Okay. Like yeah, maybe a few yeah. months and I've only posted on there once because okay. the idea for the mocktail page is, you know, some people don't like alcohol. Yeah. Some people don't drink alcohol. Enjoy. Or you want to enjoy a drink and not you don't want to do soda all the time. Mm-hmm. So I started on my mocktail page where like you can get the drinks look as appealing as the alcohol without the but it's without alcohol. It's and then it's getting open for kids, events. Oh, so yes. so my goal for that is just for events. So you can have like non-alcoholic wines, non-alcoholic champagnes, like for your upscale events too, without it being alcohol for yeah. people who don't want to consume alcohol. Okay. Okay. And all that pretty stuff for the drinks. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so for the listeners, this is your opportunity to ask any questions you might have you know, um, for us. You can unmute or put them in the chat function. A chat, I always say chat function. Into the chat and I'll address them. Um, but while we're doing that, while I'm waiting to see if any questions pop up, do you have any questions? This is your time to ask me any question as a host, or now I'm flipping the script and give you an opportunity to okay. ask me any question you might be curious to know about the process or about me. I'm going to ask about your job. Because, oh, um, how do you like handle for that? Like, I know you you said your bio says you're like an assistant professor uh-huh. for pharmacy. Uh-huh. How do you like it? How is it? <laughs> Is it off camera? <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. We can we can talk some more off camera. Um, but let me just say this: it wasn't. Um, there's a lot you get started with enthusiasm, mm-hmm. right? And I think, and I'm in Nigeria. We we don't Nigeria. We don't 
we don't take things like now. We're very, very adventurous. Right. Right. We don't, we always try to go get the best, right? And I think that was what propelled me even coming to this job. Because I went straight from grad school to a position. Usually friend, people who go through a postdoc. Mm-hmm. I skipped all of that. Oh, wow. So not because I wanted to. It's just, you know, let's just get right into it. And it was also the prospect of starting something new. Mm-hmm. So for context, I was the first person hired in the past 10 years. Hold on. <laughs> it's back. <laughs> and I hate to put it this way, but let me just contextualize it. I was also the first black person, you know, hired outside of there. And, you know, female as well in a long while. Right. And so... Talking about being aggressive about building your your team, that was something that came in handy. But looking, I've been there for six years, right? Mm-hmm. I've learned two things. You have to diversify your network. You have to. And I think as um, women of color, or even people that I know from here, we're over-mentored and under-sponsored. Right. I don't need a mentor anymore. I want a sponsor. Now, what's the difference between a sponsor and a mentor? A sponsor is someone that has power. Just one quick email to somebody, all the doors open. Right. So, take for example, I've been trying to reach somebody on campus too. Whenever I got started to collaborate with them, they're very renowned, world renowned when it comes to the post research, mm-hmm. which is one aspect of my research. And they won't respond to my email. I sent two gentle reminders after my first email, they never responded. I reached out to someone that I knew that had power. Like, hey, I've been trying to get this person. He emailed. Before I knew it, the very minute I got a response, that's an example of a sponsor. They have power, they're very reputable in the field, but it takes a lot of scratching to find who a sponsor is. They don't have all the time. Now, no offense to mentors. Mentors are great to have. But I'm saying you as a person who's trying to build a network, make sure you're not just relying on one person to be everything to you. You need a coach, you need a mentor, you need a sponsor, you need a confidant, you need a peer friend, somebody you can call and just run. And cry. I don't even filter words and drop all the all the bombs, you know, about something that's happening at work. You can't put down one person. I need mentors for different things. Right. I have mentors for my methodology, for my intervention development, for cancer research, for lupus research. And I think when I came to that realization, life became very easy for me. Mm-hmm. Another thing I've learned is that spend your money. So whenever I go in, I got a startup package, you know, to help you start, set up your lab. And I was doing that in Nigeria. I don't even know where I learned it from. Just trying to conserve money for the university. Probably made like Nigeria spend that money. Biggest regrets. <laughs> if I could do it now differently, I'll hire help. That's the first. I should have. I, I hired a, a research tech. It wasn't just until recently, six years, that I got my first hire. Mm. I had the money. So I was just doing it by herself. I was just like, let me just like an octopus. I can do it by myself. Am I mad? Burn out. I don't even know how I did it. I don't I don't know why I'm still alive, you know, because that was the first thing you should have done. Hire help, you know, hire an assistant. You have the money to pay for it, you know. And then the workplace is different. And, and maybe because of me, if somebody does something I don't like, I either look the other way or I ask you, hey, you know, I don't like that thing you did. And usually I'm not very confrontational when it comes to things around me. So I'll find a way to just give them better and just keep it working, unless you're very, very, you know, obnoxious about it. Mm. But if I'm in the workplace, not everybody operates like that. No. People are so petty. People are so, so petty. And I think sometimes by virtue of you being different, they always want to make you... And I don't want to sound very generalistic about it, but I found that not everybody has your back at work. And so you have to be very wise about it. That's everywhere. 
really. Yeah, but you know, you're living in la la la. Like if I'm if I'm good, then people are good. You know, right? Mm-mm. But you know what? Nothing beats doing good work. Ah, it works Amy, for you, right? Yeah, like be be excellent at what you do. As a matter of fact, put that Nigerian touch on and be extra excellent at it. Nothing beats good work. I mean, they can talk about things they can't talk about your work, right? Right. So I've learned just. I've had to learn the policy of this and I'm very thankful for very savvy mentors who have gone through what I've gone through. This is why we should tell our stories because I have great mentors. Like I have people that can just call on like, I need help with this. They're they're on it. They're telling me what to do, what to say and just helping me because I'm like, I'm so overwhelmed. But imagine they didn't, weren't very helpful to me. You know? So yeah. um, And if you work for a university system, it's even more complex. Right. The bigger, the bigger, the, the you know, I mean, in theory, in paper, they want to support you, but it's just that the quarter of this is different. You're an outsider, and that's it, and that's okay, you know, and 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 also find people in power. So that's those are my um, my tips about workplace workplace politics. Yeah. So, but um, it's I'm still there. Oh, no questions. Thank you. Uh, your friends are really great. Thanks for checking, checking out for that. Um, she said, no question, but so proud of you, sis. Keep going. Yeah. So, yeah, um, be very savvy, but be be gentle too. Right. You know, people think because you're black, you're supposed to be loud and all that. You know, you don't have to raise your voice. That's just a stereotype. You don't have to raise your voice. Just be very cordial. You know, if you have to speak up, speak up. You know, don't raise your voice, don't lose your code. As a kid feels, oh, learn how to advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. <laughs> That's a thing. You have to. You have to learn it. You have to learn it and come and reset and you know back you with facts and learn how to advocate. That was the hardest for me because I'm like you know just this is obvious. I need this. Give it to me. Mm-hmm. You say no. Nah. Why? Why no? Okay, here's why you need to give it to me. Not talk to lawyer. Defend it for your client of one, which is you. You're both the lawyer and the client, right? So, talk about conflict of interest. So, yeah. But, um, I've grown up a lot in the span of six years, and I've just learned that that there are good people who, who care about you. Yes. So, I just focus on those people. And if, I mean, I have great mentors. Because Oklahoma is not quite very open. You know what I mean? They're trying, but they're still compared compared to like um, New York, mm-hmm. where cultural diversity people mm-hmm. know they know they know some things. Oklahoma's are still trying to catch up, and sometimes there's a lot of you know issues that spills on us because we are the advanced receiving end of those things. You know, but don't fight all the battles yourself. If you are in a place where you feel like you've done your best and it's not working, leave. All right, leave. You don't have to be the one trying to change the story. Uh-uh. Why should you keep fighting against principalities and powers? They've, they've set up that place as a way to kind of like um, frustrate your life. Just leave. Right. Find somewhere you can try. There's no perfect workspace. But in that said, don't stay in a place where your health is compromised, your mental health is compromised. Mm-hmm. You feel like there are people just trying to, you have like a dart on your back. People are trying to, you know, like a, like a, yeah, you're moving to Hagia, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just leave and find somewhere else where you can try because your work is hard enough. Mm-hmm. You don't need all the fiery arrows of the enemy. So yeah. Do not. Really do not. I hope that answered your question. Yes. And 
you know, there are some things you said which we can apply to even outside of your kind of job, to every other thing you do. And then on a more calmer note, just you speak Korean. Oh, how? I just said I, I had a lot of interest in it, so like about seven years ago I began studying it. And it's just the way you are about food. That's how I'm about food. You self-learned? Self self-learning. Oh wow. Yeah. I can be quite obsessive with nature when I like something. So I just for six months by myself, I looked out the basic stuff, but then I realized that I need to be in, in an interaction with native speakers, you know, to learn the, from the output part of learning, which is speaking, and, you know, and, and, and um, yeah, so having conversations. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's been seven years old. But I still have a lot to learn because I'm still in the intermediate phase and I've been stuck there for a while, but I think I'm, not I'm going to be comfortable here. For me to break that barrier and break that um whatever and move to the next level, it will take like the same deep work I did seven years ago. You know, starting it's, out. Like just six months I was crazy about Korean. Like I studied like two hours every day. Wow. No, I still study Korean every day. Every day I study Korean. But it's the learning part of it is more passive, more passive, more quiet acting. I had notebooks and notebooks full of just my writings and you know my videos and watches the and breaking stuff down. Now I learned through uh, movies, through songs, through, um, like I have like a pop-up on my phone, like an app, so yeah, So like I have um, this stuff popping up, like that. Oh yeah. So I learned, you know, um, phrase books, like it pops up a phrase. Um, but for me to move to the advanced level, I try with the technical part. I can carry on conversations. Mm-hmm. I can, if you're talking beside me in Korea, I know everything. I can hear everything you're saying. And I like to do that slick attack, like, I can hear you. <laughs> um, if I were to go to Korea, I won't get lost. I won't get sold out. But I, there's some technical terms I would like to learn, especially when it comes to my, my communities and practices, like personal research, like, like technical terms you use in a clinical setting, a research setting. That I think I need to, you know, be very methodical about it. So I've kind of been coasting along for the past two, three years. I'm waiting for whenever I'll get my next big break. So during my sabbatical, mm-hmm. so we go to Korea for my sabbatical. That'll be cool. I'm be down. Yeah, but um, I'm very conversational. I can listen, I can hear, I can speak, and I can write. It's nice. That means you're part of the K-drama team. No, not really, though. So um, I do watch K-dramas, but I'm not like, um, how do I put it? When you say K-drama, you're like very, very into it. I have some friends who like more... K drama, and so I'm like, there's an appeal to it, definitely. There's an appeal to it. And have you gotten into it? No, I think it's too much. No, no, don't get into it because we get into stomach it because I don't want that to happen. I'm just speaking for myself. Yeah, selfishly speaking, it's quite addictive, man. But there's some similarities to our culture, mm-hmm. you know, strong nationalistic pride, our love for food, we're celebrating mm-hmm. food, familiar piety. And just, you know, respect for elders. Mm-hmm. It's similar with our culture. The Asian culture. Ooh, similar. And the stories they always have this. So in Korea, they have what they call Han, which is like... 
how do I explain how? It's like it's so many things, but one of the things is like writing a wrong, a deep seated grudge, you know. But writing is like you know, just it's finally. Mm-hmm. So you see that you know, being is a common thread that runs through the dramas. Mm-hmm. There's also junk, which is like affection. It's not no. It's like I can feel junk towards you, like almost like your family, but you're not my family. Okay. So that also runs like a thread. So the bad guy always you know ends up getting their common pants, and the good guy wins and. But the stories are usually holistic and because they don't drag you like American seasons, seven season no. Korean series are one usually one season long and twelve to sixteen episodes. And because of that, the stories are quite, you know, the the, the way they write it is quite, you know, and they don't do a lot of nudity and sex and no, they're not very like conservative. But the movies can be quite different though. <laughs> Oh. Some movies, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some movies are like this. This doesn't look Korean, but they're serious because again, it's a time for um, Ajumas, which are the older ladies in the morning. They have action dramas, morning dramas. Mm-hmm. So as uh, so those families get together to watch, mm-hmm. they want to make sure that it's very, very safe for kids to watch. So the very, very time like the super story was mm-hmm. growing up in Nigeria, that kind of thing. Yeah, oh. so makes sense. But I, I love Korean. Um, makes Korean makes me happy. Like. Don't get me wrong, there are issues with the country, like every other country, but just the language itself. I know I come from the culture. Even when I'm stressed, like I'm born dead tired, just want to plunge into it. It's like my way of escape. Like I'm like part of a secret club where I can see the world through a different script. Right. And it just gets challenging me, very excited. So yeah, that's cool. I see Ari can even eat with her chopsticks. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I, I do have to hold both sides. No, that's all she wants to eat with chopsticks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she, she, yeah, she picks a little bit words here and there. I don't know if I'm gonna be so. I'm teaching her both Yoruba and Korean, and she's able to hear some. But she speaks, she says little phrases in Yoruba like "wah wah," you know, "wah is come, wah is no kill." But I'm just, I told myself, even if she doesn't know how to speak any of these languages, as well as I raise a well, I just take child. Right. That's what I'm not expressing. Again, living here, you're like by yourself. Right, mm-hmm. you're not within your community. They can't pick up these languages in the playground or in school or in church. You know, you're the, the lunch lady, you're the Sunday school lady, teaching your kids. You know, the same language. About it's so it's so much pressure, so much pressure. So yeah, plus work and plus work and everything, everything else. Yeah, it's just like you know, just be kind to people. If you can speak the language of kindness, then you're a global citizen. <laughs> that's all that matters. When you grow up, you can find your own language. Maybe Korean is not even going to be her language. I don't know. Yeah, but she might like Spanish. She might like Spanish. You know, oh, yeah, and, you know, whatever she wants to explore, I'm just here to support. You know, the same way my parents, you know, support what I mean. So. That's cool. Thank you. Anything else you want to I love your questions, by the way. Yeah, because I, I see, like, when you post up things, and yeah. I know, like, the things you have, like, up there. Mm-hmm. I know you're very passionate about your work. Yeah. Your research, your research and yeah. stuff. I, I saw when you traveled to Taiwan. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. And then I know, like, you're a big Korean person. I've yeah, seen you, like, writing things in Korean yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm big in Korean. Yeah, it makes me just, yeah, it gets me excited. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we don't have any questions for the guests, but from the, get, from the listeners. So we're just going to go ahead and um, wrap up. Amy, yeah. it's been really thanks for um, honoring the invitation to be here in person. Mm-hmm. Like, I know we've met, you know, for deliveries and all that, but 
that you trusted me enough to come to my house. I don't think that maybe she's a serial killer and you make it. Thanks for um, that trust and even coming to you Saturday morning. I know you could be spending to make you buy all of your beautiful um, confections. But thanks for taking our time and even most importantly for sharing your story. Yeah. I learned a lot about you, your resilience and just how well adjusted you are. But then online that is just the pillars of family and faith. Right. And your community as well. Mm-hmm. And thanks for highlighting the importance of, you know, not doing life alone. Right. Even though you might be an introvert, the internet is not, has given us an excuse. There's no excuse anymore for anybody to be an introvert and just living life alone. Right. Now, be an introvert, that's fine, you're different. But to be isolated and alone, no excuse anymore, okay? Right. And so uh, make sure you find your people through the internet. Find things you're passionate about. If you're able to make money out of it, how great, right? And so, um, for those who might be curious to find you and also order, like guys, she bought me a meat pie. I'm gonna gonna say very right now. But by the reason why I'm trying to round up this conversation, you guys should order her food. Like seriously, and she ships across the US. So that's where still. For those who might be willing to find you, where can they find you? On Instagram, I'm Amy's Place. Um, A M Y S underscore P. So I have like my pretty. Amy's Place look, yeah. you can't miss that. Yeah. On Facebook, I'm Amy's Place. It also has the logo. And then I recently had Snapchat because I was trying to separate like my personal life from that. From that. So right. I think it's Amy's Place, Amy's dot place one okay. on Snapchat, but it has a chef with red hair. And, yeah. and TikTok. Yeah, I'm on TikTok actually. And it's Amy's Place. Let me check. Let me just say she might really be a serial killer, but be up to today. <laughs> I'm trying to get into TikTok, but I'm just like, it's a lot. Yeah, very brave. Yeah, I could never. So on TikTok is Amy's dot place. Okay. And then he has my picture. Okay. So for my TikTok, I kind of, I was trying to merge like everything together because I didn't want to have two separate mm-hmm. TikTok. So mm-hmm. a little bit of like my travels whenever I get to travel, mm-hmm. my food and my drink. So yeah. on there it has me facing the sun when I went to Dubai. Okay. And so yeah, that's what I have up on there. Alright. So I have that. Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. Okay. And then you can just follow me on there and see all the interesting things we might be unveiling from time to time. But I'm really, really glad and honored to be on your podcast of today. Of course, of course. Thank and I, you. And I meant to say about the business plan. You have my email address, right? Right. I do. Yeah, just send me your business plan. Okay. And especially plans for expansion and like what the investors will get out of it. Okay. I think I might have some people for it. Right. might be interested. Thank you. Pay for your advice. That one I can take to the bank. <laughs> it's bankable gold. <laughs> Thank you all, and um, especially you. for your friend. I mean, you have great friends. She's been here since. You want to just say thank hi you to, to China. China. Thank um, you so, so much for yeah. coming. And thank you. She's been one of um, the people who encouraged me to keep oh, going and stuff. Thank you. Amongst my big family of friends, she'll yeah. be like, Amy, what's up? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, well, I'm really, really um, glad that you came on, and I hope that you've learned a little about me from this podcast and I'm looking forward to treats your palate with amazing pastries and foods. Her name looks unique. Is she African as well? Yes. She's from she Congo? is. No. I think she's from Ivory Coast. Okay. Yeah. Where's you? 
Um, T Dog, thank you, Lamb Day, and yeah, so we'll see you guys on another time, another episode of the Muscle Podcast. Thanks for hanging with us. This has been with Amy's Place. Go get your orders, she ships them, and I will make a picture of me eating my meat pie. I gotta go, mommy's hungry. <laughs> Bye, guys. Have a good one.